to the Beyond the Moment podcast, where we focus on the moments that matter. Hey friends, I'm Rebecca Lindhout. And I'm Amanda Martinson, and welcome to Beyond the Moment. We're so glad you're here. Yes, we are. (laughs) We got you a new mic. You are fancy now. I am feeling fancy. This is, um, this is like a, a super mic. So we are talking today, uh, we're calling this episode, just say yes, being obedient in the season that you're in. And I love talking about obedience. I don't know about you. I know that this can be, a, it can be kind of a challenging topic and a hard topic to talk about, but, um, but I love talking about our obedience and looking at the different seasons that we're in, the purposes, um, Obedience can sometimes not be fun, right? And sometimes it can be in the weirdest places. Uh, What's the weirdest place that you've ever felt God calling you to serve? Well, you're going to laugh at this because it actually involves um, your brother. Your brother, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Becca's brother is my dentist. And so (laughs) this happened to me at the dentist office. That's why I thought you'd get it. You'd get a hoot out of this. So this was many, many years ago, um, and I, I was reading Lisa Turker's book, What Happens When Women Say Yes to God, and so, you know, the concept of the book really is about radical obedience, and really a lot about what we're talking about today, about, you know, God using you in the season that you're in, and, and being open, you know, to, to um, the places that he will call you to serve, and, um, and so I get really nervous about getting feelings and like dental procedures done. I didn't used to be like that. I know that is, a, that is an honest fear because I know who your dentist is. I, I know. And he's well aware. <laughs> of my fear. He has to give me a little pep talk. Um, no. And so that particular day, I will never forget. I mean, this has been several, several, several years ago now, um, but I had to get multiple feelings done. And I was just, I was just dreading it. Like I just felt my body was getting tense. Cause I'm always like, I just feel like the, it's gonna, I'm going to get hurt. You know what I mean? Like like maybe he'll miss and like, yes, dumb your eyeball. Like, yes. <laughs> and, and I should say all that to say, Becca's, Becca's brother is a fantastic dentist. He, he has not hurt me. He's always very, very um, good about checking on that, but it's just, it's just in the back of my mind. industry for all your dental <laughs> <Yeah>. needs, <laughs> but it's in the back of my mind, something, you know, terrible is going to happen and I'm going to get hurt. And um, I say all this just, just to, in halfway to be funny, but Um, the interesting thing is as I'm laying there, like right before, um, you know, he comes in to start the procedure, I hear a guy in in the hall and I can hear him and he's clearly nervous. And now, and I'm a little like, you know, I'm a little nervous, but he was nervous. Like, um, and so he, I could hear, you know, him talking to the dental hygienist and he was like, you know, please tell him he, he's going to, he's going to have to put me out for this. Like, I, I can't, you know, I can't, uh, I can't take it of this stuff. I just don't do well with it. And I'm, I'm really scared. And, you know, the dental hygienist is being very sweet and trying to calm him down. And, um, and I felt the Lord telling me to pray for him, which I know this doesn't sound that like, okay, that's not a big deal to pray for the guy. Um, I, I felt him say, I want you to pray for him the entire time you're getting your procedure done because he was in the room next to me. And so they did that, you know, he came to me first and started. And so I thought, well, that, okay, sure. Like a little, okay, I'll, I'll pray for him to, you know, calm his nerves, you know, kind of thing. And the whole time I just felt God saying, just, I want you to keep praying for him. Cause they had kind of started, you know, on him while I was, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he's finished up on me kind of thing. And um, so I, I, I literally prayed for him the entire time. And then I, as I was praying for him, I just felt my body relax. Like I, my, my whole, it just changed the entire 
trajectory, right, of my appointment. I, I relaxed. I was fine. There were no issues. And then as I'm, you know, they're finishing up and I'm getting ready to go, I thought, okay, well, that's easy. The Lord just asked me to pray for somebody. And then I felt him say, I want you to tell him. I want you to tell him that, that you were praying. I was like, I can't just go into, you know, the room, Lord, and just tell him the random stranger that I was praying for this guy. And, but it was such a, you know how it is. It was such a persistent thing. And I thought, what an odd thing for God to ask me to do. You know, like it, it just didn't, I thought this just doesn't make sense. And so they had shut the door too. And so I knew I couldn't just bar, I couldn't just barge in and be like, hey, you don't know me, but I've been praying for you. But there was a dental hygienist that was going into the room. And so I kind of called her over and I said, I said, this is going to sound totally crazy, but if, you know, can you tell him? And, you know, I kind of told him, like I told her my name and everything. I said, can you just tell him that I was praying for him the entire time? And she, you know, she was like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. And I said, well, it's a little crazy. I realized <laughs> this sounds nuts. I said, but God clearly told me to do this and that I should tell him that he's being prayed for. And so everything is going to be fine. And, you know, he's going to be fine. And, um, and so, you know, I walked out not knowing what the end result of that was. And that seems like a very silly kind of, you know, thing to be obedient about, but sometimes God asks us to do those things. And we think, I don't get that, but it's not about us. Like it, it, it that wasn't about, mm-hmm. that wasn't about me that day. That was about, you know, and I don't even know that guy. I don't even know if he was a believer. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you what he looked like. Cause I never saw him. I just heard his voice and I heard, you know, how really nervous he was. And so that to me was a, was a, such a small thing. And I even walked out to my car going, I don't get, I just like, what was the point in that God? Do you know what I'm saying? And then, and then he was like, it, it doesn't matter why I asked you to do it. I just asked you to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think what we're going to get in today is going to talk about that. Sometimes being obedient and in, in even the smallest of ways in a dentist chair for crying out loud, doesn't make sense to us, but it made perfect sense to God. And I don't know the end result to that. I don't know, you know, even what happened mm-hmm. after that, but I, I left there thinking I did what you asked. And, and that's where we left it. That, that was that obedience in the moment for me, you know, which, which sounds like a silly thing, but even still to this day, I think what a, what a, you know, weird thing that God would ask me to do, but it, it didn't matter that I didn't understand it. You know, it just mattered that he, he asked me to do it. And that even in that small thing, I showed, okay, well, if you're going to tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. Mm -hmm. What about you? Cause I know yours does not involve a dentist chair. (laughs) I don't think. Mine does not involve the dentist chair. Um, I would say the weirdest place that God ever called me to ministry was a cow pasture, um, which was in Romania. Um, I thought uh, through a series of very clear signs, um, I felt that God had called me to Romania to teach English in this small village of some people I met on a mission trip. And so I went to this small village and just nothing went as planned. Of course, I didn't speak English. Only one person around me spoke English. Um, I was trying to teach these children English and, um, you know, they were, they were doing the best they could, but, you know, in my, you know, 22 year old, 21 year old, Uh, mind I felt like I was a failure at it and so I was just in this dark place of like I'm 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 no good at what God called me to yeah and so um I had brought a soccer ball with me and um the local um just everybody basically the locals uh (laughs) came and knocked at my door and asked if um they could use the soccer ball and if I would play soccer with them which of course I was glad to but um the soccer field was the cow pasture 
And so I was, you know, not playing, I would say, with the greatest sportsmanship because I was um, very frustrated. I was kind of getting out some of my aggressions on the field. And um, I slipped in the on the grass because it was kind of wet and fell in a big pile of cow poop. Mm. And yeah, I that's good stuff right there. (laughs) Just it was like that stuff could it could have been lava. I just like jumped up and I was like so angry and I Mm -hmm. walked down to the the stream because I didn't have running water and um, I was like took off my sock and I was washing my poop covered leg off with with this sock and I was crying like can you imagine like somebody washing themselves with a sock and like sobbing like <laughs> like I don't I don't know what people thought nobody yeah. approached me because I'm sure that I look like <laughs> they were like let's give her a minute <laughs> crazy like she needs a minute she needs this American needs a moment to get herself together and um and I, then I just like stomped off back to to my room in my house and I I, I just prayed and I cried and, and, and God met me in a very, very real way that I'll talk about some other time. But, um, I felt very clearly, uh, and just in, in, in a very real way, God said, I didn't call you to teach them. I called you to love them. Mm. And in that moment, it was just like the most freeing thing. And the next morning, one of my little English students, this little redheaded girl, brought me this cup of raspberries that she had picked and she had sprinkled sugar on them. And I just thought, oh my gosh, here she is loving me. Mm -hmm. And all of these kids have been loving me. It's time Mm -hmm. for me to to love them back. And and so for the rest of the time there, it was just a, a ministry of just loving on people and if the task didn't get done, that was okay. As long as, as, as I was loving and God transformed me in that process. But when the kids knew they were loved and when they were, when I was playing with them and when I was joking with them and when I was going to their homes and eating with their families, it was amazing. Like, it's like God picked up the language skills there more than if I had been saying now say cow, Mm -hmm. (laughs) cow, you know, um, the language came with the love and, um, but you know, I had to, I had to fall in a pile of poop for that to happen. And I think that's isn't that just symbolic sometimes we have to just fall fall in a pile of uh, self-created poop, um, Mm -hmm. to learn to be obedient. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I think that's it as, as we get into this, uh, as we get into this topic, I think that that is going to be sort of the central theme of like, you know, things, you know, from a dentist chair to a cow pasture, that obedience doesn't always make sense, but, um, but it makes sense to God and what he's asking us to do. And so, um, in yeah. the place that we are, you know, I was in the cow are. pasture, yeah. but, um, you know, God, God had to, God had to put me there. Um, and it wasn't about at that time, it wasn't as much about what the calling as it was about the called. He had mm-hmm. to, uh, kind of get me out of that mindset that I was in yeah. he had to shake me up and I had to step in some some poop to to recognize mm-hmm. how to love mm-hmm. and you know and it goes back to you know and when we'll we'll talk about you know we'll talk about this in this episode it's like you know being faithful in the little things like 
you know, why at a dentist office in the dentist chair? You know, it's like, but it wasn't about that. It was about showing a faithfulness and it doesn't matter what you ask. And same thing for you. It doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter what you ask me to do. It's about the faithfulness in, in, in the loving, the people that are around us and, and in being present in those moments, mm-hmm. um, in times where it doesn't make logical sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hey, but he called David out of a cow pasture, right? Well, it was not, it was a sheep pasture. So, you know, <laughs> God can use some weird places. There you go. That's it. And I think that sometimes we've just got to allow ourselves that little shift in the way we, we think about ourselves and the way we think about uh, the people that we're with and um, just allow ourselves the freedom uh, to minister in whatever way God puts before us. Yes. It's not just seeing uh, or accepting, yes, there's purpose in my season, but really truly understanding um, obedience in the season that we're in Um, because obedience in itself can be challenging sometimes, right? It kind of goes back to what we were joking about, about, you know, sometimes we want to fight against those, um, you know, that we fight against God sometimes and what he's asking us to do. And uh, we know we need to surrender something, but we kind of, we kind of do that thing where we, you know, kind of dig our heels in the sand and we go, no, I'm not, you know, okay. Or or you can't possibly be asking me to do that. And so I hope we're going to be able to dive, um, to dive into that in a really encouraging way today. And um, I love, I love what you said when we were talking about this the other day, you said, um, what if we lived our days as yes days to God? You know, what if we saw ourselves every day as, as an opportunity to say yes to God? Yeah. And and I think that we're so open to that in other areas of our lives. Like, you know, the, the yes days are very prevalent now. If you're on Facebook for birthdays for kids, you just, you have a yes day with them and, you know, ice cream for breakfast. Yes. You know, Let's go all to the park together. Everybody stop what you're doing and we're all going to go to the park. Yes. And so many yeses uh, happen on, on those days. And mm-hmm. you realize, at least from, from some of the posts that I have seen from friends, is why do we say no to so many of these things every day? Yeah. Why, why do we put up these boundaries? Um, and why do we put these limitations on where God can use us and, and how God can use us. And I, like you were saying with the hard things, sometimes I think the hard things people always like is to teach us something. God is going to teach us something and he's going to make us stronger. Sometimes I think it is just for us to say, I've been through this and it hurt like heck. And I never want to go through this again. But when we encounter someone else who's going through it too, you can just say, I know that stinks. I know that is the worst. I hated every minute of that. And sometimes people just need to hear that, that somebody else is is not trying to be brave and somebody else is not trying to be pious about it. Sometimes it's just to give you that point of being able to relate to somebody else in your pain. Mm-hmm. and in your suffering. And, um, and then rather than us saying, you know, I'm going to let God give use this for his glory. God just naturally allows it 
to be for his glory without us even trying yeah. it become because who we are has changed and how we love through these hard times has changed and God uses that love and that change. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is so true. It, and it's so hard for us when we're in those hard seasons to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel per se, to see the ending of that, that hardship or that trial. And yet it, it does, it becomes this really specific pain point to allow us to relate to people. And we don't have to tie it up in a nice fancy bow. You're right. I mean, it's just sitting with people and saying like, I can relate to that, to that pain, you know, like, I mean, just, I think of people who have, you know, faced loss, who have gone through such financial hardship. I mean, um, church hurt. I mean, there's just so many, you know, hard things. I, I, I think about too, just how, how sometimes, you know, even as a, as a new mom, it's, it's helpful, um, you know, for somebody not to be like, Oh, well, it's just, it's just going to hang in there. She's going to get better. But to say like, yes, this is hard and just keep doing the best that you can do, you know, like, but it's, it's just, you know, recognizing that, that in, in some of those seasons, um, yeah, it's, it, it can be challenging and, and, and that acknowledging that, that pain point, I think is, is so important. And some days it gives other people freedom as well. It gives them freedom. When you say, gosh, when I, I was in this place, I was doing great just to get my family fed. I yeah. was, yeah, I was hurting so bad and I was so angry for so long. And I think that people are, are very um, hesitant to acknowledge the negative feelings that you have in those times, in mm -hmm. those, in those dark places, in those dark nights of the soul, because um, it's, it's almost like we see it as a sin to uh, acknowledge our, our weakness, but we know that our strength his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Yeah. And um, so, so be honest with people, allow that to be, um, you know, a jumping off point, uh, you know, for somebody who's angry and they've got happy, smiley people around them all the time, they, they feel like they can't talk to those people. But if you're like, you know, I'm, I'm going through this, this period in my life too, where I feel like a lot of things are unfair and not to dwell in your anger or in your um, sadness, but to, but just to acknowledge it and allow it to be used as a, as a door opening or a crack in the door for, for potential ministry is, mm -hmm. it's a wonderful thing. And I think that's how God calls us to live. Yeah. And one thing that I, that so relates to that, I think, and what, what we've talked about a lot is being in this, in the, the waiting place is, is kind of what we've called it, you know? And, and I think when we're looking at this and we're saying, you know, we'll look at being obedient in the season you're in and, and saying yes to God and looking at the ways, you know, he's, he's wanting to use you and he's, he's, you know, using these things that you're going through and, and yes, but when you're in the waiting place, that's, that can be a hard thing to, to do, right? When, when you're in a season of just thinking, when is this, whatever situation it is going to change for me, you know? And I mean, I, I know I, I greatly struggled with that. Like in my, in my early twenties, I remember just thinking like, I needed to have a set timeline for things. And I remember thinking, well, once I get this done, then I'll be able to do this. And then I'll be able to move on to this. And oh, it'll all just fall into place. And life just does not 
work like that, right? I mean, God just doesn't work like that in, in our lives. I mean, we, we're going to face hardships, we're going to face trials. And so um, let's, I would like, let's dive into that a little bit. Let's look at like, what does that mean? If somebody's listening and they are in a waiting place of being just in transition of going, I want to be obedient to God. I want to trust him in what's happening in my life but it's hard because I'm in this waiting period where I don't know what's coming next. I think as well that we have to ask ourselves the question, am I, am I in the waiting place because this is where God has put me or am I in the waiting place because I put myself there? Like I put limitations on what I can do and when I can do it, I'll be able to serve God when I'm retired. I'll be able to serve God better when my children are a little bit older and a little more self-sufficient, I'll be able to, and we, and those I'll be able to just keep going and going and going. It's like starting a diet. I know, <laughs> yeah, I know that I need, I knew I needed to start this diet and I just kept eating chips because I was afraid of failing at a diet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I was afraid to, to take that first step um, partly because I, I knew I was afraid to fail, but also partly because I knew that it would require sacrifice yeah. and any ministry as well requires sacrifice. But, you know, I, I recognize now on this journey, I've been on this diet journey uh, and I just, I hate it. I hate dieting. I hate every, I hate every minute of it. And I don't love to exercise. I, if, if somebody could sprinkle magic exercise potion over my head and it would take care of that element of things for me, I would take the potion. I would take the blue pill. I don't know, whatever the pill is that they had on the matrix. I want to continue. I want to be in the matrix. (laughs) I want to love the steak. I hear you. I hear you. I see my, my self-talk changing. And I think that's, that's how it is with, with our willingness to step into ministry. It, a lot of it starts with our self-talk, yeah. um, being kind to ourselves, recognizing that we're not going to get it all right the first time. And, you know, Tony Campolo, I, he's just one of my, um, I'm not mentors cause he's not like Rebecca checking in on you today, but <laughs> He's one of the people in ministry that I respect so much because when I was a college student, I went to a conference. He said, college students are are so busy waiting on God God to tell them where they're called and where he's calling them that we miss opportunities. He said, sometimes you just got to walk through the door and experience something and you can say, no, this is not for me, but I've learned something and, and be willing to say that's okay. And, and, and this is, this has changed me in a good way. And I, I, I'm not going to do it again, but Mm -hmm. I learned something. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're so afraid of doing the wrong thing that we do nothing. Mm -hmm. Yes. It makes me think of too. And I I just want to, I just want to stress this to anybody listening. God is not looking for perfection. He is looking for obedience. So we're not having to be perfect at the thing that we think we want to do before we make a move and do it, right? If you feel a nudge to lead in children's ministry, you do not have to be the perfect children's ministry leader. 
if you are feeling called to write or to speak or to step out and reach out to your neighbor, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's about that obedience and willingness to do what God has asked us to do. And listen, you're, you're, nobody has fought this more than me. I'm going to tell you, because it makes me think about when we're talking about being in that waiting place, I, I knew from really early in my twenties, I was 22, 23 years old when I, I really strongly felt like God was calling me into ministry. I felt he was calling me to write, to, to speak, to minister to women, you know, to, to do all of that. I was, I was 23 years old. I had not a clue about what, what that even meant. I just signed my purse when I was 23, like knowing where God's calling me. (laughs) No way. Listen, you're, but don't forget you talking to you talking to the obedient rule follower. Now we we were gonna have things in line. But, I just I mean, learned that I'm not supposed to have a purse. <laughs> well, you know that's also a valid life skill to have at that, at that age. It's all relevant. Hey, um, even now, you were asking me yesterday, "Where's your purse?" I was like, "I don't have one." Yep. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. Went out went out to lunch without your purse. Um, but I, I I knew like that calling was immediate. Now, did I go into ministry right away? No. It took years. I was 30 years old before I really ultimately surrendered to that, to the ministry call and then ended up in full-time ministry. Now that might not look the same for everybody. Not everybody's going to be called into a full-time ministry position, but you know, some of you listening are, are having that calling on your life and you know, God has asked you to do something. He has put a passion in your life. He has, he's burdened you for something. He has called you to do something. And yet it's that time of, but not yet, but not yet. It is, what do we do in that time frame? And I'm going to tell you, I, I feel like it, within that seven, eight year time frame where I knew this is what God has called me to do, but I, I am not doing it yet. What happens in that time frame? And I think there's a lot of things wrapped up in that, but, and I'm, I'm only, you know, speaking from my own personal experience, but so much of those formative years were training ground for me. You know, I didn't, I didn't go straight to a stage and start speaking to people. I didn't just, you know, start writing, you know, curriculums or, or it, it was, it was small steps. It was, you know, I started, I started a blog and I remember, I, oh, I go back and read that first blog now and I'm like, oh, oh, it's like, it's, I cringe a little bit because, you know, here we are years later and thank goodness, you know, the the writing skills have have grown over the years, you know, but I I look back at that, that girl in her early twenties, who was like, I am going to minister to women. I am going to write. I'm going to speak. I'm going to, I am on fire for the Lord. I'm going to do the thing. And yet it just, it wasn't the time, but all of that was training ground. That is when I got involved in my church. That is when I started leading act teams. That is when I started, you know, administering curriculum, pouring into to those young girls and, and really having them change and shape me in so many ways. And, you know, and writing for whatever I could write for and, you know, submitting guest posts and, you know, just speaking at wherever I could, you know, could speak kind of situation. And all of that was training ground for you know, when I would surrender to full-time ministry and even come on here at WMU and lo and behold, what do we do? We write, we speak, we, we administer curriculum, we, we work, you know, with those churches. And so I just want to, I want to encourage anybody that's listening. That's, that is like, I know, I know what God has, has called me to do. 
but it's just maybe not the right season or the time to do it, or you feel like maybe there's still some things to work out. It's okay to be in that waiting place. Like God is still in that waiting place. It is not, uh, you know, God wastes nothing. He, he wastes nothing. And so every experience that we have, every, you know, avenue that we go down, it's just like what you were saying. We might, you might walk through a door to an opportunity to something and you just think, well, you know, this isn't quite what I thought. That is okay. Because guess what? There's a line of doors waiting for you to, to walk through and, and to try things. And, mm-hmm. and, and in that season, I remember thinking one of these days it will be different, but right now I, I remember just, I remember actually being really frustrated because that, that's just, that's the honest transparency moment. I was like, Lord, I feel like you have called me to do these things. I want to write all the books. I want to do all the Bible studies and where, what's happening? Where is this? Like, and I remember, I felt like he just put on my heart one day, I want you to minister to the women who are right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Because if I can't minister to those women that are right in front of me or around me, then how can I go and minister, you know, in, in a larger scale, it, it really goes back to, to what we find in scripture about, about, you know, him trusting us with, with the little things, the um, careful of the talents, you know, yes, yes. Being faithful the big thing until you are, you yes. are faithful in the small things. And I think yes. for, for young people, especially, um, I think people have this expectation that when we start, if I'm going to say, I'm going to, I want God to use me. I feel God calling me to do X, Y, or Z, let's say to speak. Um, if you think that you're going to start off Beth Moore, right. Then, um, then you're going to get frustrated and probably mm-hmm. not take the next step. Sometimes, just like you said, it's maybe you're going to, you're going to be polishing and perfecting and, and growing through talking to those little girls first and giving them positive words of encouragement in Christ. And, um, but I think so much we, and, and so often we are told, you know, we are awesome. You know, that's, we're raised in this culture that everybody tells their kids they're awesome and they can do anything. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can do it anything, but you're not called to, to anything. God has a specific calling and purpose in our lives. And, and we know that because in in Jeremiah, you know, it, it says that I, I knew you in your mother's womb. Mm -hmm. Um, What was it? Let me, let me find that scripture because I think it is, it is just, yeah. While you're, while you're looking, while you're looking for that, um, I want to, I want to mention too, like for those people that are, are in this waiting place sometimes, and again, that sometimes God is going to work something out in us before he is going to use us and work something out through us. And what I mean by that is sometimes we have to be in those seasons where we are just in the nitty gritty of it. And God is, is, is working to heal parts of our hearts. Um, he is working to prepare us with the things and equip us with what we need. Because if, if we're not doing that hard work with him one-on-one in that secret place of that secret, you know, that, that relationship with him, then you're exactly right, Becca. It, it, we're going to be, you're going to be frustrated when you get to a place in, in, in ministry and whatever that looks like for you in your life. 
you're going to feel like you're hitting a wall, but it's because you've got to do that hard work. Um, you know, that, that healing, that, that, that work, you know, up front. Um, so yeah. Okay. Read that scripture. I know you so it's um, Jeremiah one uh, verses four and five. And it says, the word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I, point, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And I think that if we change that, you know, so often in, in children's ministry, we say, put your name in this. And I wouldn't say put your name in this, but know that, that God has appointed you mm-hmm. to a ministry. And, you know, your ministry doesn't have to be the next Billy Graham. Your, your ministry doesn't have to be Beth Moore. Um, he has set you apart for something and you've just got to find what that strength is. And, mm-hmm. and I think I can't, I, I can't even remember who said it, but it was, it was saying that calling um, for me to just to mangle this is when your great passion and the world's great need meet. It was Frederick uh, Buchner. I hope I'm not saying there the last name right yet. Because <laughs> that I know that because that's one of my favorite quotes. I keep it. I keep it. Yep, on my yeah. little and little thing here. So you know, God has not only has He formed you to do a a ministry, but He has also um, He has He has already planted in your heart that place. And that passion that it, that it'll happen. You know, it's not like he just says, I'm going to give you all the gifts and talents. He doesn't, it wouldn't like some people are not singers, right? You know, so, but their deepest desire for some reason is to, you know, be in the church praise team. Well, then you, you, you check your motives and you say, is this because I want glory or because I want to give God glory? And sometimes the things unseen are the greatest things that God calls us to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting, you know, so often we, we use that, that language of doors and um, Helen Keller one time said, often we, we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one that has been opened for us. Mm, yes. Yes. And, yeah. and I think that happens to us in ministry. We say, I'm not that, and I'm not that, and I'm not that, and I'm not that. And we forget to say, mm-hmm. oh, but I am this. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think God has played God for sure. Not even, I think it is just true and scriptural that he has, he has placed something on our hearts. He has created us for a ministry and it's not every ministry It's the one that he has called us to and that he has qualified us for, you know, mm-hmm. he will, he will give you what you need. He is every day qualifying us for this. And sometimes it's through the hard things. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, it really is that simple. Like, because, and I think when, especially when you grow up in, in church culture, we grow up hearing that all the time, you know, like, well, he's going to equip you for what he's called you to do. And you have an assignment and he's called you to it. And he'll, you know, he'll, he'll work it all out. We grow up hearing that. So as we go through these challenging, you know, times when we do maybe hit walls in, in where we kind of see ourselves going or where we think God's calling us, but it really is that simple. And we have to go back to those truths over and over again. You know, God does have a plan. He is going to work all of this out for his glory, right? 
the, the completion will come. The glory is going to come. Um, yeah. And it, as you were talking, it, it makes me think of, it makes me think of King David, because I think oftentimes the anointing is going to come before the appointing, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at King David and, and we won't, you know, we don't have time to go into all of his, his story in scripture because it's so in depth, but I mean, he was anointed to be king as a young boy. I mean, he was, he was so young and to everybody else, he couldn't have been more ill-equipped, right? I mean, literally they just left him out in the field, you know, when, when they're coming to, to, to look at all the sons and they're like, oh, you know, oh, oh, David, oh, but when you, when you look at him, he, he was anointed to be king, but he didn't go straight to the throne. He went back into the field. He grew into his ministry. Yes. He, he made he, lots of mistakes along the way. Yes. Trial after trial. And even after he, his anointing to be king, he, you know, he had to, he had, he had to overcome the trials with King Saul, you know, who literally tried to take his life over and over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, because of the jealousy that he had. And just, um, you know, he knew, he knew David was going to be king. And so, I mean, David had his own anxieties, his own trials he had to face, all of this before he took the throne. I mean, so I, I think that that in itself, when we look at that, because we just think, well, it's David. Sure. Yeah. He's a man after God's own heart. When you pull the pieces of his story and you look at that thing and you think, I mean, he took down Goliath. I mean, he overcame trial after trial. Now, not without, you know, his own sin, without his own, you know, falling. We, we, we know all those were part of his, his story as well. Um, but when you look at it from a standpoint of an anointing versus the time he was actually appointed, years, years went by. Well, you think and about too, that God, God created him for such a time in which he mm-hmm. lived, you know, God, God instilled him with the passions. Yeah. Like he was such a, a, um, a, a stickler for, for, for justice and goodness, David was, you know, um, and so that's even how the prophet came to him and told him he was doing wrong with Bathsheba was he created this scenario of, of an unjust situation and it made David so angry. And it was also David had a passion for God and, and a fiery temper Mm -hmm. and God used that. Like you said, do you ever think like when you're, every time you talk about David and Goliath, anybody talks about David and Goliath, I think of veggie tales (laughs) and uh, the, the giant cucumber Goliath. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? <laughs> but you know, it was smack talking. Yeah. And David had that fire within him that it made him mad instead of afraid. Yeah. And so he wasn't afraid to go up on that hill. He wasn't afraid to go up against it with, with five smooth stones because he knew he was on a mission from God. And 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 he was living into that part of his calling very early. And we'll mm-hmm. all live into the part of our calling that, that God has for us right now. And, um, you know, whatever season you're, you're in. Um, and like you said, you don't have to necessarily uh, see it as being in the waiting place. And, um, but I think that there is something else that keeps us from serving. I think that we do fear that we'll, we'll get it wrong. Oh yeah, um, And we do fear that it will require a sacrifice that mm-hmm. we're not ready to take. Yeah. Um, that we're not ready to give. But sometimes I think that we won't move and we won't serve because we don't necessarily believe ourselves to be likable. 
And I think we fear that if we take that step forward in ministry and in service, um, that, that this somehow this fear will be affirmed. Mm-hmm. And um, the truth is, is that there will always be somebody who doesn't like you. There will always be somebody who says you're not doing it right. There will always be somebody who even questions the way you love others yeah. and is ready to cancel us. I mean, we live in a cancel culture, but the truth is these people will always be there. And mm-hmm. if we use them as the measure of our calledness, then we'll find ourselves in a very selfish cycle of fearful inaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, some people loved some people loved Jesus and some people hated Jesus. Some people hated him all the way to the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody is universally liked if they carry the cross. Mm-hmm. And we just have to recognize that uh, if you have a message, if you have um, a passion for sharing salvation with others, Satan is going to come against you. Yes. And um, sometimes that is through self-doubt. And sometimes that is through fear of other Christians and what Mm -hmm. they're going to think of you and how they're going to judge you. Yeah. Um, So, cause sometimes Christians eat their wounded, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I cannot tell you the amount of times that I have not pursued an opportunity because I was afraid because I was afraid that I would do it wrong. Most, most often for me, that fear of failure, um, is, is top. Um, and then, and you're exactly right. The fear of what if I write this the wrong way and someone takes it the wrong way? What if, you know, what if, uh, well, another Christian writer has already said it and they've said it better. Like that fear is a real thing. And, um, and I'm going to tell you, Satan's time is short. Like it is short. And if he can get you to not pursue, not be obedient to God, I mean, of course he's going to do that. And we have to be very mindful of that. Yeah. Sometimes his greatest tool is to stop the, to stop the spread of the gospel is having talented, gifted, and called people fear other Christians judgment more than they fear for their neighbor's salvation. Yes. We yeah. have to make salvation a priority in our lives and, and the other things will fall in, in, in line behind mm-hmm. that. Um, nothing should be more important to us than helping other people gain a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, the salvation of the nations is our greatest call. And um, we aren't called to be liked. Uh, we are called to be loved. Mm-hmm. I might need you to remind me of that often as someone who does struggle with the people pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the middle child will just say, <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, but what you, what you're saying is so true. And, and I just want to reiterate just a minute because, because I have struggled with this so much. Like I know there's somebody listening that is struggling with this too, because I, I used to worry that I would miss it. I used to worry I would miss my calling that, you know, the season that I was in was going to derail what God had planned for me. And even as I say that out loud, I'm thinking that doesn't even make any sense. But there were times where I would think, especially like, I think I had this call to ministry and, and, you know, and and was doing things within my church and, and and I loved it. 
But as I became a mom of, of two and life became so busy, I, I wasn't able to hold the same roles and, and do the same things. And I wasn't able to write as much. And, you know, some of that kind of stuff, you know, fell back. And there was a time where I thought like, I'm just, I'm going to miss it. This is it. I, I'm going to miss my timeline. And you cannot miss it. You cannot miss your calling. If you are, if you're in a personal relationship with Jesus, if you are abiding in him, and you are following him, you are not going to miss it. And, and everything that you go through in those seasons does carry a purpose. Now, it might, it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning. It might be, it gives you a new perspective to relate to somebody else, a new, a new pain point to be able to relate and share with somebody. It might be a training ground. It might be preparation. It might be protection. You know, we often forget about you know, sometimes we want those opportunities to come our way and we get so disappointed and so, so angry and frustrated when we think, God, like I had a plan, like I had a plan, you messed it up, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of realizing that God, God is good. He is a good God. He has a good plan for us. And he, he knows what is coming. He, he knows the things that are, at, that are ahead of us. And sometimes those no's and that rejection and that hardship as, as hard as it is to endure. And it is, it's very hard that there is some protection wrapped up in that, that we don't even see at the time. It might be years later and we go, Oh, Oh, I see what you did there. God. I mean, I, I mean, I had had a lot of things like that happen where I go, Oh, now I get it. Now I see what you were doing. And it's hard in the, in the moment to trust that we do not always, we don't always understand why, you know, a bad things are happening. Why we're hitting a wall with something. Why, if God has called us to do this thing, why, why isn't it just happening? Why isn't it just happening? But we have to trust and we have to be obedient in the things that he's put right in front of us. And there are numerous reasons why, you know, and a lot of it, we won't even be able to answer. You know, we, we don't, we still don't know, you know, why. And, and we have to rest and trust in that we can trust God. We can trust God. And he, he is, he is holy. He is almighty. He is everything. And so we have to be able to trust him, even in those times where we, we think, you know, God, you're really messing this up for me. You know, no, he's not, no, he's not, you know, but it's, it can be challenging, um, you know, during those times. And I imagine that probably some people over 40 right here are like thinking that we are talking to people in their twenties. Um, but that's, that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that fear stops us at many ages and stages in our lives. And one of the things that used to frustrate me the most in, as a, as a ministry leader, as a children's minister was so many people would say that they would serve when they when they retired. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yes, girl, well, preach on it. Go home, preach on it. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, you know, you could die tomorrow who knows? And, you know, it's, it's, it's about, it's living now in service Yes, and, yes. and giving God that. Yes. Um, when you can think of, when you can think of 10 reasons to say no, ask yourself, did God give me that reason? Or did I give me that reason? Or even did Satan give me that reason? Mm -hmm. You know, cause mm -hmm. he wants to give fear is selfish you know, and fear is so often connected to pride. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, I fear yeah. embarrassing myself and or I fear that I don't have enough experience and I'm going to make a fool of myself. But also, you know, I fear that I'm going to miss out on something else that I really wanted to do. Like maybe I'm supposed to go on this mission trip this weekend, um, but I really want to go to the lake. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. um, fear comes out in, in, in lots of forms and yeah. about, you know, probably 75% of fear is, is selfish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that that's it. Like, and you're exactly right. We are, we are not just, just trying to encourage the younger people that are listening to this. This is for everybody, right? I mean, this, um, and I, and I, you and I were talking about this before, cause I said, I used to have that mindset and I thought, well, as my kids get older, I'll be, that will, I'll be able to do this. And, you know, there is some, there's some truth in that in, in terms of, of schedules and things like that, that maybe you do have a little bit more freedom to do things. But again, this goes back to being obedient in the season that you're in. So, so what is it in this season? Because uh, God knows our seasons, right? If we're at home with littles, if we are somebody who is retired, looking for a new purpose, God knows the season that you are in and he will allow you and open up doors for you to be able to serve and it's not going to depend on schedules. It's not going to depend on whether you feel, you know, equipped enough to do it. He's going to make a way, right? If he, if he has called you to it. Mm -hmm. And trusting that, that this season is where he has you. And, yes. and so, and that he will use the you that you are now. Some people say, if I was younger, if I had just listened to God's call when I was 23, mm -hmm. um, but, but the truth is he wants to be who you are in him right now. Mm -hmm. And I think um, there's this, this Jewish story that the story of a Jewish rabbi that's in our um, strength finders book that, um, that I read recently. And it says, consider the Hasidic tale of the rabbi Zusa. When he was an old man, Zeus said, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? They will ask me, why were you not Zeus? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. God will use the person that you are um, to minister where you yeah. are right now. And don't be afraid that your past will, will um, stop you from serving. Mm -hmm. um, use that past. Um, and, and be, be your best Zusa right now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be your, be your best servant that you can be right here and right now. Mm -hmm. God doesn't ask us all to be Moses. He doesn't ask us all to be Beth Moore. Mm -hmm. He calls me to be Becca and to have a big mouth and to sometimes stick my <laughs> foot in it. Um, but, but he will, he will use us. I think that's it. And not everyone is going to be called to a stage. Not everyone is going to be called to be writers or speakers or, or Bible study teachers. There is, is purpose in, in all of those roles. What is God calling you to be obedient in? You know, he has, well, like you said before, he's given you gifts. He's given you spiritual gifts. And then he's also given you natural talents of, of, of things that you can do how are you going to use those? And, and in every season that you are in, that might look differently, but that calling is still the same. And I, 
<clears throat> Annie Downs has a great, uh, really short YouTube teaching. We'll link it in the show notes for people to watch. It's called, um, I hope I'm gonna get it right. It's called One Calling, Multiple Expressions. And in that teaching, she talks about, you know, we have this one central, uh, we have a calling that God's given us, right? In our lives or, a, you know, a passion, something he's, he's burdened us for. But in different seasons of our lives, that calling looks different. And it all goes back to that sort of central theme, but it looks differently in different seasons. And so we'll link that. Um, it's about a 10, 11 minute video. It's really short, um, but it's a, it's a great resource to, to look at that and to see that, you know, our, our calling truly is to follow Christ, mm -hmm. right? So we can take the pressure off of ourselves that it has to, uh, you know, my calling is to do this. My calling is to do that. Your, our calling is to follow Jesus, right? And to be obedient to what, what he's calling us to do. Pressure's off, right? That's the calling. What does that, what that looks like for each of us and what he's called us and, you know, the specific ways he's gifted us to minister, you know, that's, that's the part that's going to be different. That's the part that's going to look differently for each of us. Um, and that's maybe the fun part. Like, maybe it yeah. looks like a passion for Jello. I just... <laughs> I'm, I'm not which, giving up. On which we calling. know the Lord has bestowed on you in this season of your life. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, did I tell you my devastating news? That you could, that you lost your cookbook, right? I lost my Jello cookbook. <laughs> I cannot find it. And did I, you lose it or did somebody, did somebody, did somebody swipe it and go? <laughs> I don't know, but I am, I am, I'm so upset, but I, I, I still like, I'm standing by it. I'm going to, I'm going to go find another one. There's going to be some jello making happening and maybe that'll be my, my in with somebody that maybe there's somebody else with a passion for jello that doesn't have a passion for Christ that I will be able to minister to. For anybody listening, know. then you also have a passion for jello. Please, please reach out to Becca and let her know she is not alone. <laughs> for the J-E-L-L-O, I want to be the queen of gelatine. I <laughs> but you know that's <laughs> I laugh about that but I I, I really was <laughs> I am kind of devastated about this. I know you are because you I guess you came in there and you're like I lost my cookbook but I still I you know what I didn't get to share my my um hostessing uh recipe last time which is my, my jello recipe uh -huh. which is not uh lemon fish jello uh, I didn't get to share and, and I, I made it the other day. I got so, I, I got so upset about not being able to find my Jello cookbook that I made Jello and, <laughs> and that recipe is simply this cherry Jello, make it uh -huh. and put a can of cherry pie filling with it. And it will make the smoothest, silkiest, most lovely, uh, palate dancing thing you have ever put in your mouth. Um, wow. You just have, you have to do it. It, it will, it is, it is an angel singing moment when you have that for the first time, but don't call me up and be like, I didn't like it. If you don't like cherry, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to like this jello. Okay. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I can't, I can't help you there, but I can tell you if you like cherry, this is, um, this is manna from heaven. Well, your, your assignment, everybody moving forward is, is being obedient in the season you're in saying yes to God. And also try Becca's jello recipe. <laughs> Well, friends, we could keep going about this topic. This is one of those things that we could keep going on and on about, but um, I hope that this has been encouraging for you. I hope that you can see truly that purpose in your season um, and looking at the ways that 
you know, God's asking you to be obedient in the season that you're in. What does that look like? Um, and that saying yes to God, yeah, it can be scary sometimes, right? There's so uh, many things, right? We, and we let that fear get in the way and, and all of that, but, but trusting that he has such a good and purposeful plan for your life and a way to use you um, right where you are and, and in the season that you're in. Um, and so we hope this is an encouraging conversation. Any, any last words, Jello Queen? I think that we are all capable of doing something. We do, we do just have to say yes and take that next step forward. Yeah. And um, don't be worried about judgment, um, about anybody's judgment, but God's. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's the key right there is obedience is not often going to make sense even to us, let alone sometimes the people that are around us, right. And God's going to ask us to do some things where, you know, the people around us and even, and even, you know, us are going to go, uh, come again, Lord, what, what is it that you want me to do? It doesn't have to make sense. And it doesn't have to be perfect. That, that obedience is what God's looking for. Right. That, that, that word, I feel like, yes. you know, it was like me exercising. I feel like there is a lot of flailing of involved and a lot of, uh, of, of ugliness involved in this, but you know what, maybe that's how God looks at us. Like we think that we're flailing and we feel like we are doing it all wrong and it's messy and it's sometimes ugly, but God says, yeah, you know what? I see you. I see yeah. you giving it everything that you've got and the everything you got might be ugly sometimes, but I'm going to use it and I'm going to yeah. turn it into something beautiful. If you'll just keep trying Yeah. and um, so don't give up. That would be my thing is, is don't give up. If it's ugly, if it doesn't look exactly like we imagine um, keep, keep, keep going that God will, God will turn it into something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love it. Couldn't end on a better note. Well, friends, thank you for joining us this week and for listening in. And, uh, we will catch you next time on the next episode of beyond the moment. Bye y'all.